0: It's a new day filled with new mercies. Oh, what a joy it is today to celebrate one year, our one-year anniversary. Happy birthday to New Day. I welcome you all to uh, join us directly after service. We have some subs, we have some cake, and we're just going to have some, uh, a fun time. So you're welcome to join us directly after service right there in the cafeteria. Uh, today is a special day. For all of us in this room, whether you've been with us since day one or you've been with us for just one day, because we're celebrating today one year of God's goodness. In so many of your lives, I've seen God come through time and time again. It's one year of God doing what he does best, which is transform lives. And don't you wish that he just transformed you a little quicker? Like he could expedite you to a place where you hope to be. And, uh, and what I love about God is that he's not in a hurry. He's not rushing the process because there's things that he's upgrading all of us in the way that we see things, and the way that we respond to situations. It's one year of watching God take a small group of people and allowing us to reach so many more. It's one year of many tears, many by me up on this stage. I haven't cried in too long, but it's come close. But many years or one year of tears, but so much joy of watching each and every one of you come to a place where you're learning how to enjoy God. Like many of you never knew those two words could exist together, that we could literally enjoy our father. It's one year of watching God teach us how to love each other. How to truly care and how to meet people right where they are. How many have learned that over this past year? Of learning what it means to love, learning what it means to actually care about the person that's sitting next to you, learning how to meet somebody right where they are in their mess and in their pain. It's one lear- year of learning who we are in Christ. How many have been upgraded on who you are in Christ? and learning who God is for us. One of the questions that we started this whole church off with is who does God want to be for you right now that he, that he couldn't have been for you at any other time in, this, in your life? Who does God want to be for you? It's been a year of laying a foundation for the future generations that are coming. Next week we are going to be led in our worship by our young kids. Now this ages all the way from Kelly, what, how old are you now? Seven up to, I think, 16 or 17 years old. And phenomenal, phenomenal job they do. So they're going to lead us in worship next week. And we believe the same thing, that they're learning just what we are. I won't share her name in this because I don't want her to be embarrassed. But I just got a text yesterday from a mom who was having a conversation with her daughter about how she used to view God and how... The mother used to tell God, man, this is how bad I am and I'm a failure and I'm just a bratty little girl when she was young. And her daughter said to her, a 10-year-old daughter said back to her, but mom, God doesn't see us like that. He sees Jesus when he sees us. 10 years old, learning something that many of us are just discovering at our ages right now. It's been one year of many ups and a few downs. It's been a year of relying on God's faithfulness to get us through some of the most worst difficulties that many of you have faced, but my desire today is to take some time to remind us of the journey that God has all of us on, to reflect on all the lives that have truly been impacted over the last 12 months, and to honestly just enjoy our time together, amen? And it's wild to think that just one year ago, we've been doing this for 52 weeks, 52 services, watching God little by little call us up into what He's called us to do. There's a verse in John chapter 15, verse 16. It won't be on the screen. It says these words You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I want to remind each of you in this room that God chose you. Like you are the roster that He picked out, and it's not because you were the last one left. He chose you, and it says that I chose you and I pointed you that you should go. One of the things that I hope is happening is that we realize that we are not doing church. We are the church, and we have been chosen, and we have been called to send out into the world, and he says this, to go and to produce fruit for his kingdom. And he says that your fruit should remain, and that whatever you ask my Father or the Father in my name, he will give it to you. We started with a small group of people, just 37, but a bunch of kids, <laughs> a lot of kids. I remember we were in a small place before we uh, started our first service here, and uh, boy, we shoved them in a little um, alcove that just did not fit all those kids, and so it, was, it wasn't too much fun at times, especially because we left them by themselves, but... Uh, <laughs> Because Jim didn't want to do it, Sarah didn't want to do it, I didn't want to do it, Amy didn't want to do it, nobody wanted to do it except just learn about the vision of the church. Uh, But we survived those couple of months. And even at that point, we were advised two weeks before through a church networking that I was a part of, we were advised by them to not start our church right now. To make sure that we build it up to a bigger amount of people so that we could survive the summer. And I just remember in both of my heart and Sarah's heart that we just had the faith to go, you know what, it's time. It's time to take that step now and watch God be faithful. Amen. Because it's very easy to get deceived or to um, fall prey to the natural way of doing something and to listen to, well, this may be the best time or maybe not yet, and there's sometimes that's good advice, but I really felt like God was saying, the time is now. And God has been faithful. The phrase that stands out to me is, but God. That no matter what you see, no matter what you feel, no matter how you try to plan this thing out or you don't have the strategy, you can always remember, but God is involved in this process. And he had other, pro- uh, other plans for us to start at the time that we did. And so that small group of people, 37 of us, All whom are with us today, which is a huge testament, amen. They had a heart to truly love people. I am beyond blessed whenever I get to talk about the journey that we are on to realize who started this with us. Truly one of the greatest groups of people I could ever have asked God to help us to start this work that he has called us because they have a heart to love people. They had a true desire to call people up and not call people out. Because it's easy when you're in religion and when you have a religious mindset or when you come from religious ways of thinking to now compare yourself with others, to now conform somebody to a way of living and believing and doing and thinking. But at the same time, when we have this group that loves people, we begin to learn what it means to call somebody up into who they are. And we all had a collective commitment to lead the work that God has given us to do in this area. I truly believe this is an assignment from God. That New Day was not just something created out of the mind of man, it was created out of the heart of God, and that there was a small group of people who said that we will take that vision, and we will run with it, and we will continue to love people right where they're at, with a heart and a desire to call them up and with a commitment to lead this work. Our mission was very simple when we started New Day. That we would reach people right where they're at with God's love. Now that was a learning process because when it's a statement, it's easy to go, that's good. Yeah, that, that we can do that. But when you truly now encounter somebody who's not where they are, who, who, who's not acting like they should or, and doesn't sound as Christian as they should sound, that now the, the, the challenge is, okay, will you love them right where they're at? Will you now begin to go, God, help me to love them, not to change them, not to conform them, not to make them feel one way or another, but will you help me to see them the way that you see them so that I can actually bow down to them and help them in their time of pain or their need or their difficulty? And that's what we have watched is happen, And what I've seen as a result is people start to take off the mask. They start to put down the religious scales of life and go, okay, I may look pretty on the outside, but on the inside, I'm broken. On the inside, I have pain. On the inside, my marriage is, is damaged. On the inside, my kids are wayward. On the inside, I don't know where the next paycheck's going to come from, but it's by the love of God that he calls us up and he raises us up. Now, remember that picture that I got of a, a young girl who was in a fetal position in the corner of a dark room And it wasn't preaching that's going to raise that girl up. It wasn't telling her to get up that's going to raise that girl up. It was somebody that would get on their knee, put their arm around her and say, I will love you right here. And I'm not going to now force this to go, come on, we got to get going. Come on, I only can love you so long and then I got to do other things. No, I will love you until you feel ready enough to stand on your own feet and to go and love somebody else in the corner of a room. That's what's been happening. And so we set out to love and not build a church. That was the biggest thing that the Lord began to peel back for me As Justin, do not do this to build a church. You are here to build my people. That was a radical shift for me is to realize that this is not about you now helping New Day to do this church thing because then it becomes a church But it's to build his church so that we can leave these doors going, you know what? I can do what God's called me to do. I actually have a calling on my life. I have a purpose for my life. I have a ministry that he has given to me. And maybe you don't know what it is. And I know that over the course of the last 12 months, I've seen like 7 or 10 close to that range of people go, this is what God's called me to do. And we're not here to build a church or a ministry. I truly believe that we, us, are the church. And we gather together to worship our Father, to celebrate. These are on the slides, Jackson. Oh, he was sleeping back there. I caught him. I caught him. He said, Justin, you only have eight slides today. And he just missed one of them. We are together to what? Worship God. That's why we come together to worship God and to celebrate his goodness and to encourage each other. To provoke each other unto good works and to leave with what? A mission. That each and every one of you are missionaries, whether you like it or not. God has send you, send you out as an ambassador to represent who he is wherever you go. And that mission is simple, to reach people what? Right where they're at, in their pain. With their addictions, with their depression, in their Rebellion. Because that's what Jesus did for all of us. He didn't say first clean yourself up and then come to me. He said, you can't even become clean without me. So let me love you right where we are. And So many of us just like, nope, not ready yet. Nope, not ready yet. Nope, not ready yet. And we attempted to clean ourselves up a little bit so that we could then present ourselves a little bit better looking to Jesus. And even Jesus in Matthew chapter 6, he says, you have heard that it was said by the religious people. Don't do this and do this. But he says, you know what? I'm going to go after your heart. And that's what Jesus cleanses first and foremost is the heart. And that's why sometimes you can see people who come to New Day and you're like, why aren't they changing? Oh, they are. It's just on the inside first because that's how Jesus works. And we get our eyes off of what they look like on the outside and we start to just realize the way that he changes us is the same way that he changes everybody else. And so we are in the people-building, people-loving business. On the onset of starting this church, we made a commitment to focus on building His people. And to call every single one of you, wherever you may be, to call you up into who you are. In God's eyes, according to the purpose and the ministry that He's placed on your life. Some of you don't think you're qualified. Many of you don't think you're equipped. And that's why he gave us each and every one of us. He gave us the Holy Spirit so that he could guide us, train us, prepare us to go do what God has called us to do. He is just waiting for people to go, here I am, send me. Because it's scary, isn't it? It's scary to even ask the question of what have you called me to do and what have you asked of me to do while I'm on this life and the purpose that you have given to me because one, then he's going to begin to talk to us about it and then we're responsible to go out and to do the very things that he's called us to do. But many of us don't even ask the question because we're just not even sure that God would have something for us. Yeah, he has something for the the pastor or somebody for the apostle, but no, he has a ministry for every single one of you in this room. And I knew from day one that God was leading personally myself to focus on two things. To teach people who they are in Christ. And if you've been with us for any amount of time, you probably think all my messages are the same. With just a little bit different coding. It's because I realize that we're plowing ground. We're calling you up into who you are. And many of us, we know it up here, but we don't fully believe it in our heart. And the second thing, which has probably brought me the greatest amount of joy... Being part of New Day was, he said, Justin, focus on investing in the men. Every one of them will be at a different place in their life. But just to the best of your ability, disciple the men in this house because it's as they go, the kingdom of God is going to be transformed. Families are going to be changed. Marriages will be changed. The next generation will be greatly impacted as the men begin to embrace who they are, who God is for them, and what they've been called to do. And that truly has been, honestly, one of my greatest joys. Every other Wednesday for 12 months, we have met faithfully together. And I slowly began to see that God was making New Day an equipping center. Now, I want you to think about this because there are many phenomenal churches all along the way, throughout all these different communities that we have surrounding us. But we all have a different mission. Of course, the mission is God's kingdom and representing and preaching Jesus But I realize here he has placed a certain call on all of this community that we do to begin to raise up sons and daughters. To realize that we need to be equipped as God's people to go out and to be who he's called us to be. And so you haven't heard many messages about, hey, you need to be like this and you need to do this and you need to love people more and you need to give more. It's no about, hey, do you realize who you are? Do you realize the anointing is on your life? Do you realize the Spirit of God is inside your heart? And do you realize that there's a call on all of your lives and you, go to, you get to go represent and be the light? Why? Because the one who is light lives on the inside of you. And so you don't have to try to get qualified, try to get equipped. You are a son and daughter of the living God. And so I've seen it and uh, I remember Vail one day was praying over the church from here on stage and she made that statement that we are an equipping center. To raise up sons and daughters, go to the next slide, Jackson, if you don't mind, who know God. That there would be sons and daughters in this room who know God, who have embraced who they are in God's eyes, who understand their purpose and why they're here, who recognize the calling that has been placed on your life, and who courageously step out. I know those moments where it takes courage, doesn't it? It takes courage when the Lord says, I want you to go pray for that person. It takes courage when the Lord says, I want you to just go love on that person and you don't know who they are. Or courage to, to, to love your spouse, even though there's difficulties. There's courage to believe the best about other people, even though you know their flaws and their weaknesses. There's courage to take those steps where you got, God goes, man, this is what I'm calling you to. And I'm preparing you for that, so begin to get ready. It's cur- courage to receive what God has for us. This verse in the second month of the church plant was probably the most impactful way that I've ever begun to see ministry. So we launched in March chapter, uh, March fourth, March chapter. Everybody, turn to March chapter four, and then we'll get to March ten, and. I remember having a conversation with God about New Day and just my excitement and I felt like the Lord was saying, are you ready to see ministry completely differently? And it was at that moment that I got a picture of a pit stop and I got a picture of a garage and a garage is where you're home, a garage is where you settle down, a garage is where you park your car and now you're at a place where you're resting at home. A pit stop is where you can come to the pit stop but there's no time to rest There's only time to get an upgrade on your car whether it's a tire change, an oil change or something of alignment needs to be fixed and then you're sent back out into the race that God has called us to. We have such a short amount of time on this earth and so the the whole key is to realize that we are in a race. It's not a race against each other. It's a race that God has called us to fulfill the work that he's called us to do. And one day we will stand before him and he will see these words, did you do what I've asked you to do? I gave you one minor, what did you do with it? I gave you two, I, what did you do with it? I gave you five, what did you do with it? And hopefully we can say, you gave me one and I multiplied it to two, and you gave me two, and here's four, and you gave me five, and here's ten. And he would say these words, well done what? Good and faithful servant. Look at this passage from Ephesians chapter 4. This is the one that kind of struck me two, uh, two months into the church plan. And so he has appointed some with the grace to be apostles and some with the grace to be prophets and some with the grace to be evangelists and also some with the grace to be pastors and some with the grace to be teachers. They call this the fivefold ministry and it's a gift to the kingdom of God. And look at this very thing because somehow we got this turned upside down. And he says, and their calling is to what? Nurture and prepare all the believers to do their own works of ministry. Wow. Because I was coming into an understanding growing up that the people are there to serve the church. Can I get an amen? And when you realize how he said this, that this is a gift, a pastor isn't a gift in your life, and it's not so that you can serve your pastor, it's so that your pastor can nurture nurture, and prepare and equip all the believers to do their own works of ministry. And as they, as you, do what you've been nurtured and prepared to do, they will enlarge and build up the body of Christ. That's a flip, to realize that I stand up here every single week with a purpose to call you up and to nurture you and prepare you so that you can go and do the work of your ministry. That may be, being, the ministry may be you're a husband and you're a father, that's a ministry. Please don't ever discount and go, God, what do you have for my life? Well, he says, well, let's start. Are you a father? All right, let's start there. You're a husband? Okay, let's start there. You're an employee or an employer? Okay, we'll start there. And he begins to go, be faithful in those things that are already in your hand. And I get the awesome opportunity myself with Jim gets this opportunity to begin to prepare and to nurture those for the ministry that God has given you to do. And so I hope you know by now that we're not playing church here. I'm not trying to grow a church. New Day has an assignment to equip whomever walks through these doors to meet meet each person right where they are regardless of your race, regardless of how much money you have, regardless of your career, and regardless of your past. That means when we come, let's give Jesus a hand clap, that it doesn't matter who you are when you come through those doors, we are all on an even plane. It doesn't matter if you have money or you don't have money. It doesn't matter if you're black, if you're Chinese, if you're Mexican and you're white. It makes absolutely no difference. It doesn't matter whether you have a squeaky clean past or you have a past that you hope nobody ever finds out about because when you come into a culture that is willing to love you right where you're at, and remember, Jesus never leaves us the same. He's not condoning everything. He just wants you to know your sins are forgotten as far as the east is from the west. And so when you realize there's a culture like that, guess what? You can talk about your past with no shame, with no guilt, with no condemnation because you realize that's not who I am anymore. Amen? And so now you can share the testimony of Jesus changing your perspective and changing your mindset. Now you can talk about the past like it's something that is not even who you are. It's just something in the past. And so it doesn't matter who you are. You are God's child and we will honor you because of who you are and we will treat you just like we would treat anybody else. Why? Because ultimately there's a greater purpose. There's a kingdom of God that needs to be advanced. We don't have time for division. We don't have time for drama. We don't have time for comparing ourselves to each other. We don't have time to try to become better Christians. No, there is a kingdom of God that needs to be advanced and we all need to be on board in unity, amen? And it's when we realize that we're not looking like, how does God use that person? He, He kind of like is a bonehead. We don't think like that. Why? Because the past is in the past. And we start to see everybody according to who God made them, not according to their flesh. Because it's his kingdom. It's not mine and it's not yours. And he has given all of us the task, listen to this, to collectively and to individually advance his kingdom. We are not here for God to make our lives better. That's not why God is in our life. Me and John had a great conversation the other day about he's in business and many of you have partaken of business and so we see God as a transactional God. So God, uh, okay, so if if I do this for you, so if I go to church 52 times in one year, what do I get back, right? God, if if I pray every single morning, what will you do for me? God, if I do this, will you change my business? God, if I do this, will you change my marriage? God, if I do this, will you bless my kids? And God's going, wait, 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 before you ever do anything on your end, here it is. It's all yours. It's all yours. You're a co-heir with Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? You're an heir of Almighty God. He said, it's all yours. Now you don't have to transact with me. You don't have to do something to get something from me. No, I freely give it. Now freely receive it, and then go freely give it. And when we realize that, my goodness, it's not about God making my life better. God, if I just worship you, will you change my circumstances? Well, I hope he does, but even if he doesn't, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, I know God will deliver me from this fire, but... Even if he doesn't, I will still what? Praise him. Why? Because that's who he is. He's a good God. He's good all the time. He always has your best in mind. And he's always what? Setting you up to succeed in what he's called you to do. And so we are here, not for God to be our spiritual genie. We are here for, to be who he has called us to be and to do what he's called us to do. Look at these, these two passages in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Man, this is about you guys. And this is not because you did something so great that he now says this about you. This is how he sees you. You are a chosen generation. You know how many times I hear even Christian people talk about the next generation? Tell me how much positivity comes out of that conversation. Right? Oh, that next generation is lazy. Oh, that next generation is a bunch of... Millennial bums. And that generation is just, they don't know what they have coming and they're never going to make it. And so one generation speaks a curse over the next generation. It just happens again and again and again. But imagine if you looked at your children and go, man, they're a chosen generation. They're a royal priesthood. They're a holy nation. His own special people that, they, that you may be pro- or proclaim the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into a marvelous light. He's called you out of that. Who once were not a people, but now they are what? The people of God. That's who you are. That's what you represent wherever you go. You are the people of God. And it all begins, all this stuff that I'm sharing, it all began with one understanding that is this foundational truth. God is what? Relational. Good job, Mag. He is good, too. God is relational before he's functional. It doesn't mean function's bad. It doesn't mean function shouldn't have a part of your life. It just means that God is relational, meaning this, that everything you have with him and through him is because of one person, Jesus Christ. And it's through that relationship with a savior, with a mediator, that you can now, listen to this, have a perfect relationship with God. Watch this. I want to see how quickly this happens. Who has a perfect relationship with God in this room? All right, we got about 40%. I think at one service we were like 80, but we were back down to 40% because we had six days in between, you know? And we screwed that relationship up somehow, some way, but I want you to realize it's because of Jesus that you now have peace with God, it means that there's nothing broken in this relationship. There's no longer you trying to make something better because when I ask you that question and you slowly go like, I know the answer, but I, I don't believe it, it's because you're focused on Who? yourself and your performance and how you have not been what you need to be and so thus we can't be good until I get my act in gear no you're good because of who Jesus and that's why we've heard it before where is the lamb that's what the uh, Isaac cried out to Abraham John the Baptist declared these words behold is the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world and then John writes in Revelation that worthy is what the lamb of God So our relationship with God is solely based upon the perfection and the obedience of Jesus, who is the Lamb of God. And he is worthy. And therefore, I get to enjoy a relationship with God. It's relational before functional. It's realizing that this is secure. So God, now what do you have for me? Oh, I want you to go and love people. And I want you to go bless people. All right, God, I'll go do that. I'm not transactional with him anymore. It's now birthed out of relationship that I'm going and doing what he's called me to do. Everything stems first from your relationship with God, not your performance for God. Let me say that again. Everything stems from your relationship with God, not your performance for God. And that relationship was made right, it was made secure and made accessible 24 hours a day, seven days a week because of what Jesus did, which is shed his blood for us so that I can access the presence of God based upon the performance of Jesus, not my own. And it's because of him that I can now relate to the Father. I can receive him as my Abba and not as a judge. To enjoy the Father now and anything less is just not the way that Christ called it to be. So you don't have to perform. You don't have to strive. You don't have to work for God. Just rest in his finished work and enjoy the new life. Not the one that you hope to be better. The new life that he has given to you. Because at the end of the day, his grace for you is what? Relational before functional. Why? Because Jesus came with grace and what? Truth. His peace for you is relational before functional. Why? Because he is the prince of peace. And now that prince of peace lives where? In you. So the peace is based upon a relationship. It's not based upon what you did. His joy for you is relational because he says, my joy I give you that you may be complete. Now listen to this one. His favor for you is relational. Now if you were going up the ranks in a particular company, let's say you were working for the Dallas Mavericks, okay? And you became good, good, good friends with Mark Cuban and he began to respect you and he loved what you did. Imagine if he showed you favor. Do you think you'd get up the chain and and through that organization? Why? Because he what? owns the Dallas Mavericks so if he has favor toward you you're going to be expedited on how good and how well you're treated now we have the king of kings the lord of lords who now all of his favor all of heaven's favor is attracted to the Jesus that lives on the inside of you and because you're in relationship with Jesus guess what God is now biased towards you But sometimes we think like, man, God, will you please just help me today? Will you please just maybe, Lord, I have this meeting that I'm going to. Would you please just kind of be there with me? And he's like, Justin, I'm with you every step of the way. I want you to expect my favor wherever you may go. And the victory that you have in him is relational before functional. It's all about knowing God before we strive to serve and please him. Serving God is great. Pleasing God is great. But you can't serve and please somebody you don't know you will try to earn something from them or try to repay them back, repay God back for all that he's been good to you. It's about receiving his love for us before we go out and try to love others well. How many have ever had a hard time loving the unlovable? Ah, there it is. (laughs) But when you receive the love of the Father, there is not a single person in your life that you could not love properly. And that's why he says, forgive others as Christ has forgiven you. Why? Because when you realize how much you've been loved and forgiven, it's now easier to extend that to another person. It's about receiving his acceptance of us rather than attempting to win his approval. And God has given us a new life. Amen. He didn't just promise you a better life. He's given you a new one. And he has equipped each of us to do what he's called us to do, but not at the expense of a relationship with God. Everything is birthed from that relationship. And many of you have experienced a new, fresh, vibrant relationship with God in this place. And I mentioned this before, but New Day is a church that believes radically in the gospel of grace and truth. It's a church that continues to learn, learn how to love each other with no hoops and no strings. Because if somebody comes through these doors and we go, okay, hey, in order to be part of New Day, just jump through this hoop. Oh, you're almost good. Okay, you're dressing a little bit better. Oh, you can't talk like that around here. So jump through another hoop. And then we have like 15 hoops somebody has to jump through in order to become part of a community that will finally love him, love them. But if there's no hoops, if there's no strings, and we literally meet people right there, it could change their life forever. A church that continues or that is known for what we stand for, not just what we stand against. Yes, we stand against abortion. That is something that's real. It's a problem in our life, but we're not going to be known just for what we stand against. We're going to be known for what we stand for, which is a relationship with the Father. Amen? And then we are a church that will faithfully call all of you up rather than calling you out. How many have something that we could call you out about? And it's uneasy at times. And this is what I love when I have the chance to sit across from a table eating breakfast or lunch with somebody and they share some of their most shameful moments of their life wondering how I'm going to respond. And I have the privilege by God and His grace to go, let me call you up into how He sees you. It has a profound impact on that person's life because they just shared their shame and yet God says, I want you to call them up into my righteousness, into my goodness, into my forgiveness, into my redemption because that's who they are. And I love watching that happen. And we're a church that will prepare, equip, and send you out to do what God has called you to do. So if you don't want to be sent out, just make sure you're very secretive about what God has placed inside your hearts. But if you do mention it accidentally, because we're just having a natural conversation, you better realize you're targeted to go do what God has called you to do. I'm closing with this. a church that will attempt to always steer you back into the loving arms of your Father. I'm not your answer, man. New Day is not your answer for everything. Your Father is. And he opens up his arms every single day like Meg said and said, I am everything you need me to be. I will love you, I'll comfort you, I'll encourage you, I'll build you up. A church that wholeheartedly believes in building a people, his people, more than building a ministry. That's who we are and that's what we will continue to strive to do in the next 12 months. So I wanna do something today that many of you are gonna go like, oh my gosh, why is he doing that? I'm going to invite you up if you want, but please don't make it long. We're going to have a microphone right here. If you wanted to share something that God has done for you, can somebody grab this mic for me? This is the red one, WL7, Dan. Just put it right there. If someone of you want to come up in these next few moments and just share something that you feel like God has done over the last 12 months. Because many lives have been touched, and I think the first one that comes to my mind on here is Wendy. Man, God has changed the trajectory of your life. We met in a park. I love that story. I'll never, ever forget that story, how we, we met and why you're still here. Megan and Steve, where are you guys? Are you behind me? Uh, you guys can all come on stage. I think about Megan and Steve, about the renewed passion and joy for God and for ministry. I think about Ryan and Nikki of discovering who God truly is inside their lives. I think about Phil and Mary Lambert stepping into who you are in a courageous step of who you are in Christ. I think about my friend John. I'm just realizing that God is restoring you. And how frustrated at times you get that he's not doing a fast enough job, right? I think about Alejandro and the new season that God has for you and for your son. I think about Jamie and what he... And that he's repairing what has been broken and reaffirming who he is to her and who she is to him. I think about Karen. That he's given you new strength to keep on fighting, to not give up and to not quit. I think about Rachel. About learning how to stand tall by God's grace after life has continued to try to push you down. I think about Amy Erickson, the new life, the new purpose, and the freedom that is coming to your life. I think about Jim and Amy and the awakening of purpose and identity that's coming to your family. I think about Nicole and Dino, new vitality to your relationship with God. All right, the tears are coming, everybody. I think about John and Nikki. You found a a love and a trust for God that maybe you didn't have before. Mike and Jess, a new lens. And a new purpose for life, being part of a new community. I think about the Spencers and Brandy and little Edward. Oh, my favorite, favorite little boy. The healing and restoration that's coming to your family. Mike and Sue, forgiveness and change that God is doing in your lives. Victoria, God's blessings all over your life this past year. Elizabeth Murphy, a new season where you were out of church for so long and you're filled with hope and joy now. Both Judys. Where are Judys at today? Are they here? Is there just one Judy today? All right, just convey this to me. Thank you guys for being here. I truly believe, because I don't know them all well too personally, uh, that they're angels. So, yeah, I don't know if they're true humans, but uh, (laughs) your prayers were answered for what God has called you to, and my prayers were answered that of a passionate group of ladies who are so militant and praying for every single person in this room. Think about Deanna and Kristen, Christy, a place where you now belong to be with your family. I think about Bobby, who's not here, a freedom and new expectation for what God can do in her life. Valerie, true acceptance of who you are. June, a place that has your back and just loves you immensely. Kim and Cheyenne, a place where you can finally just be you and be free to worship God and experience his presence. Tim and Christine, a fresh start with a new lens on how to see life and to embrace God. Maria and Richard, awakening of God's spirit inside your heart and how you can be a part of that. Susan Carrier, a place where you can grow and thrive and live once again. Carl, who is with us for the last number of months, uh, just uh, begin to discover who this God is inside your life. Christy, oh man, one of the greatest testimonies she shared, and she's not here today, is that she felt like four weeks ago, she said, Justin, I felt like coming to New Day, man, you've literally uh, just put my hand in the hand of somebody. I didn't really realize who it was until I looked up and she said, I saw God. And so I realized that God, now it's me and him. And I remember that, that girl just growing up into who she is. Betty, that this has been a place where you could grow and breathe fresh life. Mary and Joel, a place where God has put you back on the track that he has for you kind of a place where you can worship God again. And so many, so many other people, I think of Landy and his faithfulness to be here with us. My goodness, Julie and your family's with us, Michelle. So many people, I've seen these lives and I get to hear your stories almost every single week. I get to hear a different story of what God is doing inside your life because it's a new day with a fresh start and we're just getting started, amen? Amen. So let's just praise Jesus right now. Would you stand with me? Father, we just magnify your name today. We glorify you for all the lives that have been touched and transformed in this place. I think about Derek and Stephanie and the new direction and path that you have them on, Father God. Your faithfulness is evident to so many people in this place. I thank you for what you're doing and all that you have done. And we just expect so much more in this coming year. So, Father, we rely upon you. We commit our way to you. And we thank you for being who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.